What's up, everybody? Tuesday, May 17th, 9.38. This is Billy Ray Mitchell reporting to you live from Westwood, New Jersey. I have just gotten back from Boston. Yes, the Boston Celtics are going back to the Eastern Conference Finals. Had to get that in there, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Uh, This is the Sons of Saturday. We're excited to bring you this podcast. This is huge and timely. So today, Sam Jesse and Evan Hughes are going to be on the podcast talking about everything you need to know regarding the number three ranked Virginia Tech softball team and the number three ranked two top five teams, uh, the baseball team as well. Uh, Incredible success from both programs. It looks like um, it's almost, I, I don't see how it wouldn't happen, but it looks like we'll be hosting two regionals. Softball is confirmed to be hosting a regional in Blacksburg, and baseball has set themselves up perfectly to be in that position. Um, so whether you're new to these two teams and you're trying to learn about the best players, learn about the season, learn about you know what you need to be watching for, or you're a regular watcher, and you want to get some of the storylines going into the tournament or some of the other stuff going on with the team and what the outlook is, or just relive this amazing season, this is the podcast for you. Before we get into that, a couple of updates. Um, first and foremost, Adam Roth did a great job on the, uh, on the Sons of Sat VT Instagram. Uh, he attended the football event in Nova last night, which was fantastic. Um, Mr. Babcock was there, Coach Foster, Coach Beamer, uh, Coach Pry, Justin Robinson even popped out, which was awesome to see him there. He's always getting involved with um, anything Virginia Tech related. So head on over to our Instagram to check all of that great content out. Furthermore, later on this week, we will be welcoming on a couple of softball players ahead of their tournament, the Blacksburg Regional Uh, We'll be welcoming on junior Jamie Bailey. Uh, She's a utility player, primarily plays first base, and also junior infielder Meredith Slaw. So we'll be interviewing both of them on their absolutely historic season. Um, It's been incredible. This team has been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Like I said a couple weeks ago, I attended the series at UVA, watched the Louisville series from my couch. Look, it's been a great spring. Baseball team's been balling out. Track and field team continuing to win championships every single year. Softball team having a historic year as well. Uh, As Sam says, the Diamond teams are playing fantastic, fantastic ball. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Sam and Evan. Everybody enjoy that podcast. Keep your eyes out for the softball podcast coming up. Pat Finn just got back from the Keys. So we're going to have him and his uh, tan self, tan and refreshed self, Welcome back on the uh, on the podcast. So, without further ado, here is Evan Hughes and Sam Jesse. What's up, sons and daughters? It is Sam Jesse, and I am here with not the crew from the Locks of Saturday. I am here with one of the voices of Virginia Tech Athletics, a Hokie legend, and one of my longtime friends, Evan Hughes. Evan, welcome back on the Sun Saturday podcast. Oh, great to be with you, Sam. Fired up to do this one, man. There's just uh, 
so much good around Virginia Tech athletics right now. And I'm really excited to join you. So thanks for having me. Yeah, I, we'll get into it, but it's uh, unprecedented, I think, is one of the words that you can use to describe what's going on with not only the baseball, but the softball team. Uh, the Diamond teams are playing just phenomenal, phenomenal baseball and softball right now. And we're going to get into all that. We're going to get into kind of what it means for the whole school. We're going to get into maybe some projections for the NCAA tournament, talk a bit about the softball team and their draw uh, that they got for their regional and it's a lot of exciting stuff. And speaking of exciting, and Evan, I don't know if you pay attention to what's going on in the NBA right now, but there is some exciting stuff happening on the hardwood as well. We got the Heat and the Celtics playing in the Eastern Conference Finals and the Mavericks and the Warriors in the Western Conference. And you can bet on all of this on the DraftKings Sportsbook this week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Just to win, not cover the spread, not over, under, anything like that, just to win. You can create your own parlay by combining multiple bets for a higher payout. And right now, all customers can place the same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if the leg doesn't hit. So we're talking insurance, free bets. It's all at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code SOS, and bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code SOS only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. You must if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537, or 1-800-NEXT-STEP in the state of Arizona, or 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado or New Hampshire, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y, in the state of New York, or visit opgr.org in Oregon. You can also call and text TN Red Line 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee, or for the good people in the state of Virginia, 1-888-532-3500 in the state of Virginia. Must be 21 or older or 18 and older in Wyoming. Physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. All right, Evan. That was a lot, dude. That's that well was done, a lot. Sam. Well done. It's uh, it's I legally have to do it, Evan. That's how we do things around here. Uh, sons of legality. So, I mean, Evan, I've followed this baseball program for pretty heavily for about three and a half, four years. Uh, I'd say kind of starting like 2019. And I remember making a bet with my friend. I said, Virginia Tech will finish anywhere but last in the ACC. And he took, he said, I think they're going to finish last. Virginia Tech finished 13th that year, and I won my bet. Here we are in 2022, in the middle of May, and Virginia Tech has just been moved up to the number three team in the country via D1Baseball.com, who is the ultimate ranking um, and publication of Division I baseball. Evan, the rise of this program, um, is there a way to really describe it? 
I mean, it's been unbelievable. And it's a testament to the players and the kind of people that Coach Chef has brought in. You know, the mantra has been build it in Blacksburg. And if you think about it and the stones that have been taken to lay a foundation over the last couple of years, I think you can truly see how this program has grown year by year of when Coach Chef got here. I mean, you think about one of his first moves when he took this job and he brought in Kurt Elbin as one of his assistants, who was previously an assistant at VCU, knew the 804 really well. One of the first recruits that they brought in was Nick Bittison. And here's a guy who's gone from being that freshman sensation to a true veteran, a leader on this team, and then developing Ian Seymour and how good he was in Carson Taylor. I really think that 2020 team, Sam, if there was a full season, that squad could have made the NCAA tournament and we'll never know. And then I think last year, I mean, listen, this team led the Coastal uh, early April, had some younger players and faltered down the stretch, but I think you have seen a team that really took a lot of good from last year. First ever series win against North Carolina. First ever series win against Miami. Take what happened down the stretch, apply that to the offseason, and just continue to add a couple of key pieces. And Eduardo Malinowski at second base. I think Jordan Giever is going to be a name we're going to continue to talk about as a huge addition. And I think you you got to credit Coach and his ability to recruit high-quality players but also bring in really important transfers. Like, look at Graham Firebed, who started his career at Radford, then went the JUCO route, then back to Virginia Tech. He's done a great job, I think, of blending the recruits that he's brought in, but also adding those grad transfers uh, and those guys out of the portal. Yeah, and I think that's been the X factor for Virginia Tech, and that's created them to have this lineup that is really, really good one through nine, which is very rare in the sport of baseball to have dangerous hitters at one through nine, guys who can hit for power, guys who can hit for average. All nine of them are threats on the base paths. It has been two transfers. Um, it's been Connor Hardigan, transfer from JMU, and it's been Eduardo Malinowski, transfer from Penn. Those guys have kind of solidified the middle of the lineup, and it's made Virginia Tech almost uh, – I think maybe the most least likely to be shut out baseball team I might have ever seen just because they're so good on the base paths and they're so aggressive offensively. It's really, really impressive. And like you said, building in Blacksburg, it's more than just a slogan. It has been from the ground up, the literally with the facilities that they have built. Uh, if you haven't been to a game at English Field yet, I highly, highly recommend it. It is an elite ballpark, not only for the ACC, it's good for the SEC. It's good for the Big 12. It is good for minor league baseball. It is very, very good. And I, I kind of big picture before we get into kind of the specifics of this, you know, I, a lot of people that I've talked to about Hokies baseball in the past and kind of currently have been, ah, you know, I just don't think you can build a baseball program in Blacksburg, Virginia. I think it's got to be, you either got to be in the Southeast from kind of Texas to South Carolina or you got to be one of the California schools, but you're not going to be able to do it in you know the North or in a Northern uh, state. And they've done it. They've done it. They've, they've recruited outside of the SEC footprint. They've gotten transfer guys from outside of the Southeast and from California. They have really done a phenomenal job building a local program and they've done it in a different way. And I think that makes it all the more you know, remarkable for this team. 
Yeah, I mean, they, I, I think that's a that's a really, really good point. I mean, by the way, I didn't mean to leave out Connor Hardigan. He's been an impact transfer. How can you leave out a guy who led JMU in batting average who's come in and been a great middle-of-the-lineup hitter for Virginia Tech? So, no, but I, I think you're right. And I, I think that when you look at Coach, he has been uh, – he has coached all over the United States, right, whether it was at Marist as a head coach and then being an assistant in Louisiana, Lafayette, and Kansas, Kansas State, then to Maryland, now to Virginia Tech. So I think he – really has a great grasp of different parts of the country, how talented the baseball, uh, how talented some baseball states are compared to others. And then, I mean, look at Ryan Fecto, a guy who's from the Northeast, right? Tyler Hansen, two big assistant coaches that know that area well. Kurt Elvin knows the state of Virginia and this East Coast very well. So I think the construction of this roster uh, has been, and I think it's been really good and I think keeping local talent here, right? Nick Bittison, St. Christopher School, Richmond, Virginia. Carson Martini, Graham Firebed from Virginia Beach. Uh, that's been really cool to keep the, 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 the hometown guys here. Even Brady Curtin, right, from Christiansburg, right mm-hmm. down the road. So I think that's been unique to see, too, the emphasis they have placed on keeping the state of Virginia, those players here at home. Yeah, and it's continuing. You look at true freshman Tyler Dean, a really promising prospect. Uh, hopefully, will end up in a closer or um, you know setup guy role next year. And you know if he can, he has all the stuff. He really does. I saw him in summer league. We've seen him now. Very, very talented. Very talented. They're bringing in really good you know recruits and stuff. And to do that in the state of Virginia, I think is is one really impressive. But two, it's kind of following the blueprint of that school up. 81 North, the UVA, that's kind of what they did. Um, They really just recruited Virginia hard. They recruited the Northeast. They went to overlooked guys and they created a national championship caliber program. And that's what John Sheff and this program are doing here at Virginia Tech. Let's talk about the Louisville series that just happened. Virginia Tech won its eighth straight ACC series. The ACC is the deepest conference in the country this year, and it's not really a question. Probably will have nine to 10 teams make it to the regional. And Louisville coming in, supposed to be a down year for Louisville, and not so fast. They're one of the best programs probably in the country. They just reload. They came into Blacksburg number seven, and the Hokies take games on Saturday and Sunday from the Louisville Cardinals. Evan, you were there. What'd you see? Well, I, I saw a really gritty effort from the Hokies, and I think what impressed me was the fact that Tech dropped the series opener and rallied. It's hard to win two in a row when you go down 1-0, and if you look at the eight straight series wins that Virginia Tech has had, the last time they won a series when they dropped the Friday game was the start of that streak in early March when they lost 4-3 to Pittsburgh and then won Saturday and Sunday. And I think that goes to show how good Griffin Green has been as the Friday starter for this team. I mean, when you can win that Friday opener, you feel really good about taking one of two to take series, and that's the name of the game. So the number seven team in the country – but, you know, part of it, yes, that's great. It's resilient, the grip. But also, you look at how that game played out on Friday. I mean, the Hokies struck out just two times at the plate. They were putting the ball in play. Levi Osher, in my opinion, is the best center fielder that the Hokies have seen this year. And Coach told me after Friday's game, he thought that was maybe some of the best outfield 
defense he has ever seen before. I mean, Usher, number two play on SportsCenter, took away a home run from Kate Hunter, and then Rob Nick Bittison of a game-tying hit in the seventh inning. So I think while you're – and as Coach said, you're disappointed you lost that game, but it was not crushing. And I think you saw the ability of a team to just put that game behind. Great start from Drew Hackenberg on Saturday. I mean – I, I can't say enough good things about how an 18-year-old true freshman has come in and dominated 9-1 and one on the year, sub-3 ERA. In my opinion, he's got to be the ACC Pitcher of the Year, despite some great competition. I know Parker Messick's having a great year at Florida State. And then, you know, Sunday's game, listen, Jordan Gieber, who I'm sure we'll talk about here, ACC Pitcher of the Week, I mean, he goes out there and he gives you four innings, one hit. I mean, he was phenomenal. That's huge, Sam. The development of Gieber – and that Sunday starter role, that's going to pay dividends down the stretch of postseason baseball. So all in all, back and forth series, I think the ability to win close runs, uh, games that are really close, one or two runs, to do that with a lot of pressure on the bullpen. I mean, guys like Higgins, Herney. I mean, we're talking about so many names that contributed this weekend. And that's really good when you can rattle off six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys who contributed to a series win against a top ten team. Uh, let's talk about Jordan real quick, because this is a guy who was not in the weekend rotation to start the season. That Sunday starter was a massive uh, question mark. I, you know, Drew Hackenberg has been incredible, but we kind of knew he was a special prospect, even as a true freshman. And yes, he is from that Hackenberg family. Um, we knew he was special. And from what we heard about Griffin Green and the strides he made in the Cape Cod League over the summer, we knew he was going to be a good ACC pitcher. The Sunday was still a question mark. It hurt the Hokies in the season, but what Jordan has done has been incredible. This is from the Hokies Twitter account. He dealt seven scoreless innings, one hit in one week. This is all in one week against two 30-win clubs. <laughs> and that is, I, I, I texted you, Evan. I actually laughed out loud because that's how ridiculous that is. And for him to do that and step up as one of the older players on the team too, uh, Credit to him. Credit to him. I mean, he's stuck in there and he has performed admirably and is uh, that's just incredible. Well, and first of all, he he could have gone a little bit deeper on Wednesday against Liberty, a team that's a perennial NCAA tournament team that has played nine ACC teams this year that took two of three from Florida to open the year in the Liberty Flames. And I think the Hokies really wanted to save him for Sunday, and that's why he only went three innings against the Flames, but he went the minimum. He faced nine batters over three innings, was perfect. And then he was had no it didn't allow a hit to the first three innings against Louisville. I mean, we went to that game on uh, on Sunday, and neither team had recorded a hit through the first three innings. And I think Gieber, you know, a great example of someone who's a grad transfer, right? He was all NEC first team last year, uh, a really good player for Mount St. Mary's. And sometimes it takes a little bit longer, right? Some guys are able to jump in right away, like an Eduardo Malnowski who hit the ground running at second base and Connor Hardigan. But I think for Gieber, they used him a lot of the pen. He was a starter at Mount St. Mary's. And I think you see the confidence that Coach Chef and Coach Fecto have in him. He's got a great fastball that's topped out at 95 this year. He's got a good mix as well. And I think the guys really like pitching behind him. And Sam, when you look at like the ACC tournament, when you've got to win multiple games in a short time span, a guy like Jordan Gieber is going to be really important to your stretch down the road. And that's the difference between, you know, kind of the SEC and the California schools and what, you know, Virginia Tech has. If you're not familiar with how scholarships work in college baseball, I believe it's 11.7 scholarships are awarded to a team that is nine people play on the field at once. So that's not a lot. 
Um, so pitching depth is an issue for a lot of teams. And if you're not a major program like Florida, Mississippi State, LSU, something like that, it's really hard to get guys to fill out your bullpen. Um, and you can see his age when he pitches too. He's such a cerebral pitcher and it kind of comes through also that velo up in the mid nineties. You don't really see that from freshmen usually. So you can kind of see his age and his maturity when he pitches. And I think that is, um, it's an X factor for the Hokies when they get into tournament play, because that was a really big question mark for this team. And, And I think Sam, one thing too, about this team is that early in the year, the story was about the offense, right? And it still is, right? But the sledgehammer, multiple home runs a game, and you're scoring 9 to 12 runs. That North Carolina State Series opener, Tech beat the Wolfpack 21-10. Miami, they put up, I believe, double-digit runs Thursday and Friday in those first two games in the in the series. But if you look at this bullpen's ERA, the stretch the Hokies are on, they've won 26 of their last 31 games. The bullpen ERA is less than four right now. And I think you're seeing from the Virginia series to Boston College to Louisville that while the offense is great and Gavin Cross with two homes two home runs this weekend, I think you're also seeing that Virginia Tech can go out there and win a pitcher's duel like they did against Villanova last week 3-2 or they did against Liberty 2-1 on Wednesday or even this weekend low scoring games 4-3-6-4 and I think that that is the if you look at this team where they are now compared to where they were in February, you can really see the progression of a lot had the Henry Wikers, the Firebeds, the Higgins, Hernies out of the pen. They've been phenomenal. Before we get to the offense, which there's plenty to talk about with the Virginia Tech offense, let's talk about the fielding. Last year, Virginia Tech was the last place fielding team in the ACC and in the bottom third nationally. When there's 300 plus teams in the nation, that is uh, not very good. Evan, I don't know how much math you learned in the communication school, but I'll tell you what, that it not wasn't much. good. That's it's not a very good number. This year they are second in the ACC. They're fielding almost ninety eight percent. That is ninety eight percent is kind of like a that's like major league level, right? Like that's it's almost perfect. It's like one error, maybe every game. Really phenomenal job of this team getting better at the fundamentals. They were a young team last year, and you can see guys like Tanner Schobel really becoming better. I think Carson Demartini has done a great job at third, not making too many dumb mistakes. It's a position where you can make a lot of dumb mistakes and he hasn't. Um, Bittison has been great. He can play literally all nine positions. Um, Hurley and Cross have been phenomenal in the outfield. Malinowski has been a stalwart at second. Really good job of this team getting really good on the infield. And then they have a lot of speed in the outfield. I'm so glad you brought it up because I think that the underrated part of this team is its defense. And let's start in the outfield because coach has talked about on many platforms before that this might be the best outfield he's ever coached. And he credits that to the fact that all three outfielders have played center field and could play center field at the pro ball level. Jack Hurley was your everyday center fielder last year. Cross moved from right to center this year. And Nick Bittison can literally play any position on the infield. Coach has said he's the most versatile player he has ever coached. And so I think that's why you see Tech play such great outfield defense. Jack Hurley has seven assists on the year, talking about throwing out people at the plate. He has been phenomenal, his arm and left. I think that's been a great, great move from this team to move Jack from center to left because he has thrived there. Uh, you bring up Carson Demartini, a high school shortstop playing third 
his ability to field, a, I mean, whether it's crashing in on a slow roller, their base side covering bunts, um, you know, the Hokies play a decent amount of left-handed batters and shifts. And a lot of time, Martini is essentially playing shortstop. He does a good job there as well. Been very impressed with Carson. Obviously, Malinowski and Chobel up the middle. I mean, they've been lights out. But I think there are two positions that we forget about. And Coach talks about how important it is to be a great defensive first baseman. And Lucas Domlin and Nick Holisa have been excellent defensively this year. Domlin, a couple of times, they have moved him from first base in game to second base. They get Holisa in the game as a left-handed bat as a matchup against a righty. So the fact you can move your first baseman and move him over to second, you don't see that a lot at this kind of level. And then I think the, the underrated defensive player, and I think, Sam, you could make the argument he might be the MVP on this team. He's the most important player. is Kate Hunter behind the plate. I mean, this weekend, one run game in the eighth, you've got Levi Usher on first, who's the tying run in the rubber match. He is 66 of 71 in his career stealing bags, leads the ACC in throwing bags, and Kate Hunter throws him out. I mean, Hunter's ability to catch multiple pitchers but then be the backstop that he is and throw out some of the fastest guys in the country. I think Virginia Tech has one of the best country, uh, Virginia Tech is one of the best catchers in the country in Cape Hunter. He's definitely in the running for the Buster Posey Award, which is the best catcher in the country. And he's good defensively. He's hitting 333 with over 1,000 OPS, and he has 12 doubles and 14 home runs. Catchers aren't supposed to do that. Catchers are supposed to occasionally get you a hit, and that's it. The like this lineup is ridiculous. One through nine is incredible. It reminds me a lot. This team in general reminds me a lot of NC State last year, where they just had solid hitting one through nine. Their fielding was good. NC State had Jose Torres last year at shortstop, who's now with the Cincinnati Reds. They were really good defensively. They were really versatile. They made a run to Omaha last year because there was no easy inning against them. It was hard to score runs on them, and it was hard to get three outs without giving up a couple hits. This team has that vibe. Offensively, I'm not going to run a bunch of numbers by you, but they're really freaking good. Um, I think the guy who's been the most important jump over the summer has maybe been Jack Hurley who last year was a strikeout machine. When he hit the ball, he hit it well, but he struck out way too much. He was having trouble seeing pitches. Now he can hit any pitch you can throw at him. He can hit it to any field. He can play small ball. His growth as a player has been really phenomenal. No doubt. I think you hit the nail on the head, uh, Sam, and that's why you do a great job of covering this team. Yeah, I mean, Coach talked about that early in the year when Hurley was on that 27-game hitting streak which was the longest streak since Tech has joined the ACC team, just short of Tim Bueller in 1985 uh, out of Verina High School. I believe that record's at 32. But I think a couple of things. Number one, you're right. He's cut down on his strikeouts. And Coach said that Jack told him early in the year that he is so comfortable hitting in any count, especially with two strikes, and that his mental approach has taken strides from last year to this year. And I think the amazing thing about Hurley is that last year he was the center fielder and the leadoff hitter. This year he's in left and he's the cleanup batter. How many guys go from leadoff to cleanup? And his ability to hit for contact, hit for power, hit to the opposite side, 
even when his team needs a little bit of a rally and he tries to push down a bunt, I mean, he is a versatile cleanup hitter because he can do it all. And if he gets on base, he's a threat to steal. Um, it, it has been truly remarkable to see a guy go from uh, a freshman All-American from a year ago, but who kind of struggled down the stretch to being one of the best hitters in the country in year two. I think that's a part that makes this offense so great is not only are they a threat to hit the ball, but when they get on the base paths, they get in a pitcher's head big time. One through nine can steal bases. Virginia Tech is second in the ACC in stolen base percentage and stolen bases. They have stolen 65. Louisville has stolen 86 bases. That is a ridiculous number, but that's a really good team. Uh, They also play on turf, which I think helps a little bit instead of playing on dirt, but man, Uh, This offense is really freaking good, one of the best in the country, and it's just so much fun to watch. Uh, If you are someone who's like, oh, baseball is a little bit slow, it's a little bit, not this team. Uh, It is lights out. They hit for power. They hit for average. They get a lot of base runners, and I think that's something that's been so amazing about this Virginia Tech team is they have the ability to create runs without getting a bunch of hits. They've done it all year. It makes them very, very dangerous. Um, this team can maybe get one hit of inning and still, you know, <laughs> still score a couple runs because they're so dangerous to pitch to. Maybe the most dangerous guy to pitch to is Gavin Cross, a top five prospect for next year's MLB draft out of college. He's the center fielder now. He was all American freshman all American last year. He'll be first team all American this year, maybe. Uh just a phenomenal player, one of the best to ever come through Blacksburg, honestly. Yeah, he really is. And I can't wait to see what he's going to do in a in a pro uniform here in a couple of years because everything that Gavin does, he's truly a professional as a person, his work ethic. Hard to believe that he's just a, a sophomore, Sam. Uh, but, yeah, he's the kind of guy that when you need a big at-bat late in the game, he's the guy that you turn to that can deliver, right? Villanova tie game in the seventh and the uh, – in the eighth, rather, he hits that solo home run. Actually, to tie it, excuse me, the 2-1 game, he hit it to tie it. And, and Coach mentioned that on the Tech Sideline podcast a couple of weeks ago, that it's, it's no disrespect to the other hitters in this lineup. But Gavin's that kind of guy, when you need a big at-bat and there's a big moment on the line, he's so dependable, and nothing seems to face him either. And I think that's a really good mark of a baseball player, Sam, is that he doesn't get too high, he doesn't get too low, and I think he's a great role model for younger younger baseball players to look up to for the way he approaches the game. His dad, Adam, was a great baseball player at East Tennessee State, went on to play professionally in the Braves and Padres system for a couple of years. Um, But I also, I mean, I think a couple of things underrated about Gavin. Number one, he hasn't been thrown out on the base pass this year. He's a really good base runner. He's 11 for 11. Yep, 11 for 11. He was great this weekend. I also think his outfield defense is really good. I mean, to go from right field to center field, that might be easy for those of you playing the show to move your corner outfielders to center field, but it doesn't work like that, right, in, in high-level yeah. baseball. And it's a completely different position. I think he's done a great job learning that. And, uh, again, he's just a, he, he's a true professional in everything he does. And I know there's a lot of great players in program history, like Franklin Stubbs in the early 80s, Chuck Hartman had a couple of great teams, Joe Saunders. But I think when it's all said and done, Gavin Cross will be one of the best players to ever don a maroon and orange hockey uniform when it's all said and done. Yep, absolutely. And you know, you talk about moving from 
right to center. Center field's very difficult at English field. Um, there's kind of that power alley there to left center. And it's, it's a tough ballpark. There's a lot of wind. The wind swirls. If you've ever been to Blacksburg, you definitely know that. And it can be a tough position to play. And I think that's why Coach Chef was like, I want my guy in center field. No disrespect to you know, Hurley, uh, Hardigan, Malinas, whoever. He wants his guy in center field. And, and that's that's Gavin Cross. And it is really, it's a treat to watch him play. I'm so excited to see what he's going to do. He plays the college game like you would expect a minor league prospect playing down in college to play. Like he looks professional ready and it's really exciting to watch him play. So let's talk about where this team has left. They have a non-conference game on Tuesday, the 17th against Kansas state, a good Kansas state team, not a great Kansas state team, but a good team. It will be a good kind of benchmark to see where they go against uh, some of the other conferences like the big 12. And then they have a three game homestand against Duke. Duke is a decent team, but they have really struggled in ACC play this year. Hokies would really like a sweep. If they get a sweep, then there is a really good chance if Miami stumbles that they can be the top team in the Coastal and potentially the top seed in the ACC tournament. Um, Some things need to go their way. Some things went their way last weekend with uh, Florida State taking two out of three against the Hurricanes. The Hurricanes do have a tough Uh, They have a tough weekend series against Notre Dame that is at home though in Miami. Uh, But there is, there is a chance that Virginia tech could be the number one seed in the ACC. Yeah, there there absolutely is a path and it's, again, it's amazing, right? I mean, for a team that, that lost all of its weekend starters from last year and Shane Connolly's top bullpen option and started 0 and 4 in the ACC, this team always believed and you knew the talent was there. Now they've won eight straight series and they put themselves in a position final week of the regular season to potentially win an ACC regular season championship. There's a lot of different scenarios, but again, I think the most important thing to understand is that you really need Notre Dame to take two of three from Miami is the way I see it. Uh, At least two of three for tech against Duke. Um, A sweep would go a long way. The blue devils who, are the defending ACC tournament champs from a year ago, but they've struggled this year, 9-16 and 16 in the ACC, and they're in jeopardy of not making the ACC tournament this year, the last week of May. So you know they're going to be hungry because they're not mathematically eliminated yet. They still have a chance. It's really between Clemson and Duke right now. Who's going to miss the tournament as the, the lower two teams in the conference don't qualify for the tournament. So they've got something to play for coming in. You know they're going to want to defend their title and have a chance. Uh, But meanwhile, the Hokies understand they've got to win to have a chance to get that number one seed. So I think it's going to be great baseball this weekend in Blacksburg with a lot on the line. And then you hit the nail on the head Tuesday. Kansas State comes to town. But Pete Hughes, who took over for Chuck Hartman back in 2007, he led the Hokies from 07 to 2013. The last coach to take Tech to a regional when they hosted in 2013. He's now the head coach at Kansas State. So you've got Pete Hughes coming back to Blacksburg for the first time since he left for the Oklahoma job. Now at Kansas State, um, I think that's going to be really cool. And it's going to be unique to reflect on the past and that team that had Chad Pinder and so many other great players on it in 2013. And now the present. I mean, the Hokies have never been ranked this high in program history. They're in a position to um, potentially host a super regional if they make a regional, Sam. So I'm excited to reflect on the history of Tech Baseball tomorrow on the broadcast. Uh, to have Pete Hughes back, but also um, look ahead to the future and what's to come for this program, because you can make the argument there have not been brighter days ahead for this program than right now in 2022. 
There really have not. So I'm going to go over the scenarios um, between Virginia Tech and Miami real quick. This is from our good friend, Chris Hirons on Twitter. Uh, you can follow him. Let me make sure I get his at correctly. It is at Chris Hirons VT on Twitter. He did a quick breakdown of this. So if Virginia Tech goes one and two this weekend, they would also need Miami to go one and two. Then Virginia Tech would have the tiebreaker. If Virginia Tech goes two and one, they would need Miami to go two and one. And if Virginia Tech goes three and zero, it would take Miami going three and zero. So uh, if Virginia Tech sweeps Duke, they only need one. They would in that situation they would only need one loss because they do have the tiebreaker because Miami was one of Virginia Tech's six top 25 ACC series wins, which is a crazy, crazy number. And they were number two at the time when they came to Blacksburg. They weren't in a deserving number two. That's a very, very good team at Miami. Um, It's going to be a tough test for Notre Dame going down there, but man, it is, we are getting to the end here and Virginia Tech is sitting pretty. Again, we'd said number three in the nation right now behind Tennessee, who is a, um, is a pretty dominant number one team. Uh, and then in second place is Oregon State, but behind them, Virginia Tech. Yeah, D1 Baseball does a great job, by the way, I think, of covering all of college baseball, all of their writers. And so you hit the nail on the head. There are a lot of other great um, outlets, but D1 Baseball, the rankings that you see on the on the on the um, on the score blog for all the games and uh, what all of the SIDs use is D1 Baseball. So, to, you know, to be number three in the country right now, pretty incredible. And obviously, too, the other thing that matters is Virginia Tech number seven in the RPI the day we record this podcast. They've got a really good strength of schedule. All of that really matters when you're determining those top 16 seeds. But those national seeds, those top eight, those are important, too. And I I think, Sam, you asked me earlier, like the takeaways from Louisville, we talked X's and O's, but the big picture, Virginia Tech taking two or three from Louisville with just four games remaining in the regular season I think that that puts Virginia Tech in a really good position if they continue to take care of business to be one of those top eights. I mean, could you imagine a Tech, first of all, hosting a regional, those crowds, it's going to be unbelievable. But then potentially to have a super in Blacksburg like softball has done, I mean, just just remarkable. And I just can't say enough good things about the job this staff, these players have done to position themselves here in mid-May. It's crazy and it's it is remarkable and it's a, a testament to you know how this program has really built itself the right way, building depth, getting guys into the program that want to be a part of a winning program. And um they are right now in position to be a top eight seed, probably the fifth, sixth seed overall in the tournament at at minimum. Uh, depending on what happens with Duke and what happens in the ACC tournament. I, I'm not sure conference tournaments really hold that much weight, uh, similar to college basketball, but man, an opportunity to, to do something great in Blacksburg. Um, let's let's move over about, I don't know, what is it, like 200, 300 feet over to the side to the softball team. Uh, but before we get to that, we're going to talk about another great team that's in Blacksburg, and that is the team at Main Street Pharmacy. If you are in Blacksburg, you need something, Main Street Pharmacy is the place to go. They got you everything from your Tylenol to your Gatorade for those Sunday mornings when you need it, or just stop by and say hi. We've got Sons of Saturday merch there, and Jeremy is always there to greet you with a smile because you are not just a number, Evan. You are a neighbor at Main Street Pharmacy located right on Main Street. Stop in, tell our good Lord Jeremy Counts hello, He'd love to see you and he'd love to talk some hokey sports with you. 
All right, Evan, the softball team. This is a program that has been building and building towards a national title. A disappointing ACC tournament. Are we okay to say that? They struggled against Syracuse, uh, got the win there, then struggled against a good Clemson team, very good Clemson team, didn't get the win there. Maybe a little bit of fire underneath of them as they head to hosting a regional. Yeah, it's been a remarkable year, right? To win 40 games, 40 and six in the regular season. That was a huge goal that they set out to do. I mean, what a job Pete DeMore has done. You know, he inherited a program that went 23 and 32 in 2018 and just barely qualified. The ACC tournament takes 10 teams and the Hokies were the 10 seed that year. And then in year one, takes them to a regional final against Kentucky. 2020 was a special team, right? And then that gets canceled because of COVID. So really two full years, Pete DeMore, regional final, one win away in 2021 from the College World Series in a super regional against UCLA. It has been remarkable what he has done. He is very deserving to be the ACC coach of the year. And this team, right? I mean, Keely Rochard in 2018 threw less than 15 innings as a freshman. And the development of Keely Rochard under the guidance of Coach DeMore and pitching coach Doug Gillis. Fun fact for you, Coach Gillis has coached a conference pitcher of the year in four of the five major power five conferences, which is amazing. And Keely is arguably the most dominant pitcher in all of college softball. And I think one day she's going to have her number retired next to the great Angela Tincher uh, out in right field. But yeah, this is, I mean, this team, you know, ACC tournament team, I think you're right. Obviously they would have loved to have gone out there and uh, swept regular season and tournament champions, but I do think it can, like you said, I mean, kind of fire them up a little bit going in uh, to this regional. I mean, to be the number three overall seed, to be in Blacksburg, I actually just drove by on the way to do this podcast. I drove on Beamer Way, and there are a bunch of bleachers that are being put in out in left field and uh, down the third baseline. So I expect a great crowd this weekend. But this team, you think about Rochard coming back for one final year. And Mackenzie Lauder, who kind of like Kate Hunter for baseball, I don't think the two of them get enough credit as two of the best catchers in the country. And Darby Troll and others coming back for one final go around. This is why they came back. It starts right now. They they could taste the College World Series last year, and so to be a seed that you to be the number three seed, position for a regional, position for a super regional. The path is there. I think you've got good teams this weekend. I mean, Miami of Ohio, Kentucky, two teams that Virginia Tech played earlier this year in St. Francis, but I think Virginia Tech's got to feel really good. And I think this team is very hungry to get back out on the field uh, after coming up a little bit short in Pittsburgh for the ACC tournament. So the kind of energy around the softball program this year has been uh, palpable. It has been really, I mean, it's more than you would really ever expect from a softball program at a football school. It has been just amazing to see the support that this team has gotten and deservedly so because they play a really fun style of softball. It is a, if you haven't really watched softball too much, it is a lightning fast sport. It is almost scary how fast the game moves. Um, it's really incredible. And just looking at some information um, on hokiesports.com, they have sold out of chairback seating for the all sessions tickets. They still have general admission. They still have some single session tickets for one game, but oh man, like the, those went on sale like two hours ago. 
<laughs> so um, if, if you want to get a ticket, you might want to get on hokiesports.com and get yourself a ticket uh, because this team has a lot of energy around them. They play really good together team softball. Last year, they were so close. That UCL, UCLA team was basically the U.S. Olympic team, which I thought was kind of ridiculous, but and credit to them. They're a phenomenal team and a phenomenal program. But uh, yeah, uh, I'm really excited. I I got a feeling about this team. If Keely Richard and Emily Emily can you know, do their stuff like they do, and this team doesn't get in a hitting slump, they were kind of in a hitting slump against Syracuse and Clemson, so maybe a break is what they need there. Um, they could they could do some things in the World Series. They absolutely could. And I think it starts with their pitching, right? The depth in the circle of Rochard and Lemley, two aces. I mean, they've been so fun to watch all year. And think about Emma Lemley and her ability to step in as a true freshman and to hit the ground running and not really have a learning curve. I mean, she's been dominant from February all the way till now, uh, been a perfect complement to Keeley. And then I think two two players that don't get enough um don't get talked about enough, but deserve a lot of credit. I mean, Ivy Rosenberry and Mac Osborne, the other two pitchers in the circle, I mean, they're, they're great. And they're going to have tremendous VT careers. Um, so I know Coach DeMore has mentioned this is the best he has felt about depth in the circle since he's been here. And you've got elite arms that can go out there in a regional. And I think last year, I mean, Tech, UCLA is a really good team, right? But imagine if you had Lemley last year and you had another option. UCLA had two really great arms in Rachel Garcia and Megan Faramo last year. So to have two aces in the circle, that's going to be huge for Tech here in the regional. But I think that this team, I mean, the offense has taken steps forward this year. I mean, Emma Ritter went from being someone who's a rotational outfielder last year to being one of the best hitters on this team. Darby Trill's been playing since 2018 uh, there in center field. And then, you know, Kelsey Bennett, I think Kelsey Brown is a tremendous leadoff hitter, Sam. And all of my, in, in five years of being around Virginia tech athletics, the fastest athlete that I've covered has been Kelsey Brown. Now I have not, I know our track and field team and the job that uh, coach Chinelli does. I've not seen Cole Beck run in person or uh, a couple of other really great uh, track and field athletes, but outside of that, Kelsey Brown, Fastest athlete I've seen. I mean, as a slap hitter, all she has to do is slap that ball to the left side of the infield. She's going to be safe every time. She's a great leadoff hitter. And then the power, Jamie Bailey, Kelsey Bennett, Mackenzie Lauder. I mean, the bats are there. And again, I know they struggled at the AC tournament, but on the brightest of uh, the biggest of stages, the brightest lights, you think about the schedule that Tech's played this year that's led to one of the best RPIs in the nation. I think that all of that experience is going to pay off for this team starting now as they go into postseason play. I mean, they're a veteran group. They've been there. They've experienced. They're just one game away from the College World Series. And I think kind of similar to Tech Baseball last year, right, Sam, when they were leading the Coastal and then fell off a little bit, they learned from that. Tech Softball, one went away in a super from going to Oklahoma City. They're going to learn from that. I just I cannot wait to watch this team in the postseason. And heck, this weekend, Thursday through Saturday, Duke Virginia Tech baseball, and then a regional for the first time ever in Blacksburg with softball. I mean, this town's going to be buzzing this weekend, and I can't wait to see it. Going to be buzzing. And, you know, I think about that series they had at Florida State in Tallahassee, which is like the lion's den of college softball. Uh, they win the first game. It goes to extras in nine innings. And then the next day, they score 23 on them. Um, 
Like which was a program record, by the way. Single game runs against what they were number three at the time. 20 uh, runs. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. And uh, you know, that experience, uh, games against teams like Alabama, um, you know, playing in the ACC and you know, a non-conference they played as uh, Central Florida is a pretty good team as well. Very so. good. Yeah, they're hosting uh, a regional Central Florida. Yeah, I mean, just they've done the work, like they've done the nitty gritty work to get here, similar to baseball, who had a pretty tough non-conference schedule. It's like, they want to play the best teams. You want to get ready for this and a credit to both programs because they've done it the right way. They've done it the hard way too. They have. And you know, one thing about that too, playing a tough non-conference, you know, coach Demore, I think he saw the conference slate this year and Duke was not on the schedule who won the ACC last year, the tournament. Notre Dame was not on the schedule, who's a perennial top 25 team. And um, you had Clemson and Florida State, but you look at the ACC right now, Virginia Tech, Florida State, Clemson and Duke and Notre Dame, those five teams are kind of in a league of their own. And right now, by the way, the ACC has never been better in college softball. You've got four of those teams hosting a regional, Tech, Florida State, Clemson and Duke. So that's phenomenal. But when it comes to RPI, strength of schedule, I think Coach DeMore saw that and said, you know, the ACC is not going to really help us outside those two series. So to schedule games in Tuscaloosa against Alabama, opening weekend, four of the five teams you play, top 25 teams. Uh, Central Florida, as you mentioned, willing to do that in the middle of the ACC slate as well, to go down to Orlando and play UCF. Um, Ohio State, South Carolina. I mean, they played some great tournaments. So when you look at checking things off the box for this Tech softball team, I mean, number one on that list, being battle-tested, uh, you can check that off with a big Sharpie. No problems there. This team's going to be ready for postseason play. It's something I'm just looking at the D1 baseball projections for college baseball. If you take the 30 softball and baseball programs that are in the ACC, uh, 15 for both softball and baseball, considering uh, the, the five, I, I believe, uh, five for softball that are hosting, um, right now five are projected from the ACC to host for baseball. That is a third of the diamond programs in the ACC hosting NCAA regionals, which is ridiculous. Wow. Um, what a credit to the conference and the athletic programs in this conference for spring sports are a gauntlet. Um, some may call it the the SEC of spring sports. And it, it, I, again, I think, too, to think about I mean, Virginia Tech softball, right? I mean, Angela Tincher is one of the greatest softball players ever. She ranks third all time in NCAA history in strikeouts and the job that was done in 08 to get to the World Series. But, you know, Hokie baseball, I mentioned the early 80s, they were great. But, you know, after Pete Hughes left, fell off a little bit. I mean, the, the job that Whit Babcock and just had a great retirement celebration, by the way, this weekend for Tom Gabbard, who was uh, instrumental in helping uh, being the visionary of redesigning English Field Atlantic Union Bank Park and what that is. I mean, those are just a couple of the people that have really invested in those diamond sports. How about the indoor facility that Virginia Tech softball has right now? It's one of the best in the country. And so I think it's a, a true credit to uh, Whit Babcock, his staff, these diamond sports thriving right now. And while we think about tech football and the big weekends in the fall and basketball games, it's really cool that we're going to have fall, winter, and now spring big time games in Blacksburg from the start 
of the school year all the way until the end. Quick shout out to uh, Tom Gabbard, one of the great unsung heroes of Virginia Tech athletics and an absolute delightful person. Um, happy retirement to him. The dude worked his tail off for like 30 plus years. Uh, yeah, I, it's it's kind of ridiculous how good things are for softball and baseball, but the goal is still in sight. Softball, I, I think, you know, with baseball, I project, I was one of the few people that I saw that actually thought at the beginning of the season, I think this Virginia Tech team can make the ACC tournament or excuse me, the NCAA tournament for softball. The expectations going into the season were a bit higher. Do you think this is, I'm not going to say national championship or bust or anything like that. This is an Alabama football, but that is the goal. Like winning and winning the college world series for softball is the goal. Do you think that the program has gotten to that mindset yet? Well, I, I think that this program has the mindset, Virginia Tech softball, that they can go out and compete and beat anybody in the country. And they've proven that this year. To go 40-6 and six with one of the toughest strength of, strength of schedules, which was number one, I think, the last week of the regular season. I don't have it in front of me, but they were number one. They were number one in RPI for a long time. When you've got wins on the year – against Kentucky, Missouri, a sweep of Clemson, two of three from Florida State on the road. I mean, uh, series against Central Florida. I mean, I could go on and on. Ohio State, South Carolina. You believe you can beat anybody. And I, I think Coach DeMore is so such a great motivator. And he has this team believing that they can compete and go beat anybody. And I think this tech team wants to play the best of the best. So nothing surprises me at this point with this team. I think the sky is the limit for tech softball. And again, I go back to the players like the McKenzie Lauders, Darby Trolls, Keely Rochard that got here in 2018 that were on that 23 and 32 team as freshmen. They decided to come back for one more year. They came back because they believe they can beat anybody and they want one more last dance. If you want to look at it like that way. And so Sam, I mean, honestly, I think this team, the sky's the limit and nothing they do would surprise me. Yeah. And it's just a testament to how well they've recruited, how well they've developed that they're here as not only a, a one trick pony, a one year team, but they are here as a program. As Mike Young would say, <laughs> they are here to stay at the national level uh, we hope baseball gets there. They, that's kind of the next step for baseball, I would say, depending on how this year goes, is to kind of get there, stay there. It's hard to stay there. Uh, Evan, anything else you want to say about uh, Hokies baseball and softball before uh, a couple rapid-fire questions I have for you? No, just, I mean, it's been incredibly fun to watch. And I, I had the pleasure of knowing Coach Demore and having previously done a podcast with him and being around the program a lot when I was an undergrad. And then, of course, now being – full-time with Tech Baseball. Um, I just can't begin to tell Hokie Nation enough how tremendous a leaders uh, Coach Chef, Coach Demore are. Um, I, I think the world of those two, and I feel lucky I get to work with the two of them as much as I do. They love Virginia Tech, too. And just to see the growth of these programs, I'll go with your uh, program there, Sam, which I enjoy. Uh, it's been incredible. And again, uh, a shout out to to Whit Babcock, his staff, bringing in the great people like Coach Jeff and Coach Demore, who then hire great assistants, who recruit, who recruit great players. It's been remarkable to see, and it's it's really cool to kind of like men's basketball, women's basketball, right? How they're both succeeding together at the same time. 
Really unique to see softball and baseball doing it together. Um, get your popcorn ready, tech fans, because it's going to be a really fun next couple of weeks. All right, Evan, I got some quick rapid fires. I did not tell you these. We're just going to do like four quick ones. Um, I'll start with an easy one, though. What's your favorite spot in Blacksburg? Favorite spot? Uh, PK's. Uh, you know, that's the place the family's in town. PK's love their wings. That's the place I'm going. Have you had the cheetah wings, the lemon pepper so, wings? I'm glad you brought that up. I have not had them yet. I have been with people who have gotten them. And I am very tempted to get them. But I didn't know if it was like a secret menu item. But when you ask the wait staff, they know exactly what you're talking about. So have you had the cheetah wings yet, Sam? I have not. Um, that is something that I will definitely need to get when I get back to Blacksburg because I do love like lemon pepper chicken, lemon pepper wings. So I'm I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to get there and get some. Um this one's maybe not as much rapid fire, but I thought it was interesting. Which one is maybe the crazier, more mind-boggling accomplishment? Virginia Tech baseball being a top eight national seed, potentially, or Virginia Tech men's basketball winning the ACC tournament? Well, you know, both both don't surprise me. You know, I think I think coming into the let's start with Tech baseball, right? I think that everybody knew the talent was there to make a regional. And that's been a huge goal of Coach Chef, right? Getting this job, build it in Blacksburg, get back to the tournament for the first time since 2013. You know, I don't know if anybody really saw number three in the country coming, but I know that this team and being around them when, when and again, I feel lucky and fortunate to be in the position when you get to know these guys uh, personally and what they're all about. I mean, they believe they're going to go out there and win. They've just got that mindset that we're going to go out there, play our game, and we expect to win. So kind of similar answer what I just talked about the tech softball. Like all their winning doesn't surprise me. Kind of the same with baseball. And even with men's basketball, I know they went into that tournament uh, as what, the seven or the eight seed at the AC tournament in Brooklyn. But you knew the makeup was there. Right. Justin Mutz, Storm Murphy, Keve Aluma, similar to softball. Right. You've got a bunch of veterans on that men's basketball team and they were starting to surge and to put the pieces together in that analogy in sports of, you know, peaking at the right time. And they did. So, you know, I know to go through that of what Clemson, Notre Dame, North Carolina, Duke. I mean, that's that's tough to do. But, um, you know, there's a reason why there was so much hype around this team going into the year because the talent was there. And so, I mean, I felt like going into the tournament that tech could absolutely get hot and they did. And I think that they delivered one of the greatest moments. At least you think about the younger tech fans, right? Like yourself, Sam. Um, and even, you know, the college kids to win the ACC men's basketball championship. I mean, that is something that you will, everybody will tell their kids about and yep. it'll be, just something that we remember for decades and decades, the first ACC tournament championship. Um, I, I will certainly remember. I think it's one of the greatest moments of uh, of the young Hokies generation's lifetime. I 100% agree that, that that game against Duke will, I will remember it for the rest of my life. Um, and that banner will fly forever in Castle Coliseum, which is, uh, <laughs> they've never really hung a banner for men's basketball. Yeah, think about that in November Coliseum. next year, by the way. First home game, dropping the ACC champion banner. How cool that's going to be. Unreal. Unreal. Um, all right. Football player who is poised for a breakout season. Great question. Um, 
I think I'm going to go Malachi Thomas. And I know that he started to break out last year down the stretch, but I think that, you know, you know, coach probably going out and hiring a great staff, but bringing in coach Rudolph and knowing how good Wisconsin's offensive line was for quite some time and how effectively they were able to run the football. I think the Hokies really want to run the ball well. And I think Malachi Thomas has a ton of potential. So I think he is someone poised to break out. And then I'll throw somebody out there, uh, Caleb Smith. I think he had a great spring. He caught those two touchdowns at the spring game. I think that he has been a great piece in that receiver room, but I think he's poised here to really, really break out an even larger role coming this fall. Shout out Louisa County Lions. Well, you know, he went to Patrick Henry for the first three years, went to Louisa's final year. But so I covered Caleb when he was in high school and he's just a great person, great family, great work ethic. And um, I really do think it's going to be a big year for Caleb and number eight. The dude got huge in the off season. Oh my goodness. He looks like a physical specimen. Now. I would like to get on that, uh, that, that, that lifting, whatever's going on over there. I want it. Whatever, whatever he's doing, keep doing it because he looked pretty darn impressive physically at the spring game. Pretty good catching the football as well. Um, last one football game. You're most looking forward to next year. No question. West Virginia Thursday night. Yep. Can't wait for that. It's because I'm going to be in town, right? Well, we talked about it before the pod, the podcast yeah. started. Yeah. I, listen, there are a couple of big ones. Miami's going to be fun, but mm-hmm. I think what excites me most about West Virginia is reintroducing the rivalry to the younger fan base because I, I think about the kids that are in college right now. What the last game that was played, I know that there was the neutral site game in 2017, but the last one that was well, obviously this past year. So I'm kind of counting that together as a series. But for a lot of these kids in college right now, when they think of rivals, obviously they think of Virginia, maybe North Carolina. But I remember you know doing the Tech Sideline podcast for so long. And I learned very quickly from Chris Coleman that West Virginia is a big deal. And to go there last year, to lose a heartbreaker, but now to come back to Blacksburg, plus a Thursday night game, because, you know, Thursday night football and Virginia Tech go hand in hand. I just think that's going to be an unreal atmosphere. Early September, I, I cannot wait for that football game. It's a return to the 90s. Uh, it'll feel like that. And, you know, uh, growing up, I was always kind of, you know, raised that, yeah, we don't like Virginia, but, you know, your cousins went there and your neighbor went there. And uh, it's just kind of a fun thing. West Virginia was, you didn't like West Virginia. And that's kind of how I think so many Hokies were raised. And then that bringing back is just bringing out the best, um, I heard from people who went to Morgantown last year that it was actually a blast and that people were very welcoming and That's what I had heard a great too. time. I think it's going to be the same way in Blacksburg because people are just so excited for it to be back. And I, I hope that, you know, I know both fan bases got really, really um, rowdy, right? Rowdy. Good. That's great. Word. Rowdy. <laughs> I don't think it'll ever go back that way. And, uh, you know, I hope that it doesn't go that extreme either, but I do think it's good for these two teams to play, there's a trophy on the line, right? The the Black Diamond Trophy. And I I think it's a good thing when West Virginia plays Virginia Tech. I think it's a good thing when Virginia Tech plays West Virginia. And I just I know there are a lot of Hokies that are fired up for that game. Absolutely. Brent Pry will have the fellas ready to go. Evan, any Sharky shout-outs before we let you go? 
Sharky shout outs. Wow. I, you know, I've come prepared the last two days. Let me start with this. Billy Ray Mitchell, shout out. Um, <laughs> I have, I feel really fortunate that I've become good friends with Billy over the last year or so. I don't know if I've ever met a more passionate sports fan than Billy Ray in the Boston Celtics. So yeah. uh, he was going to be on this podcast. And then, um, so I know he wasn't Billy. We missed you. Shout out Billy and his Celtics. I'm not a huge NBA guy, but I am just so happy for Billy that he had that game seven win uh, against uh, the Bucks. Shout out, of course, G Wim. Um, shout out Gaten Baptist Church, where you and I met in high school and Grayson were to, I mean, the whole Wimbish family. So uh, shout out there. Shout out to Pat Finn uh, and the entire Finn family and all the sons and daughters. Shout out to David Cunningham, who I know is probably listening to this podcast, my good buddy um, and good friend, lifelong friend. And shout out, let's let's go. Uh, I think shout out Virginia Tech softball and baseball. I mean, to put the exclamation point on what has been a phenomenal year in tech athletics, a chance to finish as high ever in the Learfield Directors Cup that takes into account all the sports bringing home the Commonwealth clash against Virginia for the first time in a couple of years um, from men's basketball. Of course, the AC tournament championship, Makai Lewis almost bringing home his second national title and getting back in a new weight class to a national championship appearance. Uh, men's soccer, women's soccer, phenomenal years. Uh, men's soccer was ranked as high as number five in the country this year. Softball, baseball, lacrosse, great first year under Chris and Skyro. I mean, there's just so much good going on and, I just can't wait to have potentially two regionals in Blacksburg. We talk about things we'll never forget. I don't know if Tech fans will forget back-to-back regionals in Blacksburg. Hopefully it's more of many to come. Keep this ball rolling. Evan, thank you so much. This has been awesome. Make sure to check out both the baseball and softball teams over the next few weeks. Evan, as always, go Hokies. Go Hokies. Thanks for having me, Sam. Thanks, guys. Yep. Time to wander, tripping in the sand We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand But I saw you dance like you want to in my head And all she said is Oh, I know it's what you're thinking Please don't go to sleep and Trash your friend's place Wake up the next day
to you. 